This is some of my best work. I'm music and culture journalist Jane Rocker. We invite artists and creators to nominate some of their best work, tell the story of how it came about and how it's influenced their career. In this episode, I speak to Adelita, best known as the frontwoman of Magic Dirt, a band that started out in the very early 90s in Geelong, Australia. I remember seeing them back when I was a uni student at Deakin. We formed a friendship way back then. They even played a benefit gig that I hosted back in the day for a radio show I was doing called Collusion. Their original name was Dear Bubbles. They morphed into the Jim Jims and then settled on Magic Dirt. But now Adelita also has a solo career outside of her band. Some of her best work is the song Trust is Rust. It's taken from her second studio record, All Day Venus, released back in 2013. There's always more information in the episode notes, so be sure to check it out. But let's get to Adelita and the story behind that deeply moving song, Trust is Rust. Maybe if you can just begin by telling me a year you wrote that, Adelita, and, and what was happening in your world at that time. <laughs> Sounds like a lot. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> oh, Jane. Oh, boy. Uh, a lot was happening. When did I write it? Okay, so it was around... 2012 I think 2012 probably get it I have a feeling it was sort of win- slightly wintry weather when I was in Sydney at the time so I wasn't in my hometown of Melbourne and I was seeing someone that was the reason I was in Sydney the song basically I would say is about betrayal this person I was seeing was very attached to this um, other woman and I was like, well, what the hell are you doing with me? But I was obviously still attached to him and couldn't quite, I wasn't ready to leave at that point. So I wrote this song in response to that betrayal and things weren't in a good place for either of us, really. So it was a big red flag, (laughs) like the most biggest red flag you could ever come across. But the bright side is that it produced this song. Mm. which is like one of my proudest, most glittering moments of my songwriting ever since I've been writing songs and I can't believe this song popped out. A lot of my songs start with the very first line. So I was just sitting down with my guitar, which is what I always do, just sit down and strum and start singing at the same time and everything kind of just happens simultaneously and I think that was – it started from You Let the Cat Out of the Bag, which relates to I think – yeah, the, the person I was with just kind of spilt their guts a little bit, which um, is kind of probably not the best idea, but also probably a good idea that you be honest. Everything is pretty much describing what the whole situation was about, all about, yeah, trust, you know, that just 
felt like I couldn't trust this person anymore yep. after that. Yep. And Adelita, you know, I guess as an artist, when you do write about a moment in your life like that, it's immortalised in that final product forever. So what's it like to talk about it? As you say, it's done and dusted, it's over. Yeah, yeah. But it defined and is a reason people talk about something that's so great. So are you okay with it being some of your best work, maybe not so great a moment in life? Yeah, no, I don't regret anything. And to make something as beautiful as music out of chaos and sort of, you know, pain is such a great transformation and, you know, life can be messy, I guess. I think it's great. I'm fine with it. I've grown a lot since then and, you know, I can look back and I look back at all my stuff and I'm I'm happy and proud and, you know, that something good came of it. As a highly sensitive person and sort of, I guess, feeling empathic and picking up on people's vibes, which I'm really good at doing and I'm a sponge and I take on things, moods, feelings and I can sort of just feel mm. people before mm. they sort of talk. I just I just know what's going on a lot of the time. Mm. So when this person I was with told me about their feelings for this other person, like they were quite infatuated with this other person. I really felt their infatuation. Like I really I almost became them. Like I was yeah, I was like them and, and I could feel everything they were feeling. So in a way, there's this very sadomasochistic thread that goes through it all. You know, that's part of me. I have a very strong sadomasochistic streak as an artist and as a person. So yeah, I really, really felt it. So yeah, people can really feel that pain in the song. And it's it's just kind of this delicious pain in a way, because yes. it's like, the song is very weighty in that way. Like it's really informed, like there's so much feeling in it. There's a history in it. It's very strong in that sense. So it's got lyrics, it's got music, it's this wonderful sort of decoration and this piece of art. But behind all that, there's this real, it's got a lot of energetic information encoded in it. Um, during my time with this person, we were kind of moving around a fair bit, sort of couch surfing or whatever, and we were in different houses. So I remember being in this Tudor house, this odd sort of dark Tudor house and he was out for the day and I just sat down and sort of had the bare bones of the song. And then I started composing like a drum pattern and um, one of the audio is, you'll hear it. So the demo drum pattern was me. So I had the guitar and the vocals, but then I started tapping it out on a drum machine and did a bit of bass to it and there must have been a bass lying around. And um, So I was in a kind of a very relaxed state and sort of, I was, you know, I was in Sydney and I was just going, with this person. I was just like floating around going la 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 and not even thinking I was going to write this great second record, but I was just writing songs. And then I was upset about this thing that happened. I was like, okay, I'll bloody write a song about it. Anyway, so you can hear the drums and the, the bass. It's quite, it's very scratchy and very loose. And then... I had the obviously had the lyrics and the guitar worked out and the basic arrangement. And then there was this one day where I was particularly upset, but I was like, okay, I'll just get to work and sat down by myself. And I had a MIDI piano. I was just, it was got to the chorus part of the song and I just started playing this line just very faintly. And it just came out and I was like, oh my God, that sounds so good. And prior to that, I'd sent the label the demo without the piano part and then I sent them the song again with the piano part and that's when they went, oh, my God, 
this is this is awesome. Okay, we got the record. And I was like, okay, great. So you can hear that in the demo. You can hear the piano part. And then I went into Birdland with Lindsay and we pretty much just got the demo and recorded the drums with a live drummer that I had made up. Yeah. We just recorded them with a live drummer and yeah. we did everything exactly like pretty much that was on the demo. We tightened up the arrangement. Lindsay got me to... He got me to make the second pre-chorus longer, like yeah. twice as long. I was like, mm, I don't like that. He's like, no, 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 trust me. So I did that twice as long. And the ending, I had an original, a different ending in the original demo and you can hear it. It's like this cute little bit. But he shaved that bit off and he loved it. He loved the song. He was like, okay, let's just get this down. Let's just make it as lush and good as possible and tighten this bit up here. So we didn't do that much. Yeah. But Lindsay did add that double pre-chorus in the arrangement mm. and then got some strings in there, which we hadn't demoed. Mm. And I'd seen this woman busking in the Melbourne Burke Street Mall and her name was Willow and she was playing this violin. She's like this really awesome violin player with um, effects pedals and things. Mm. And I just asked her, do you want to come into my studio and yeah, work on my record? So I got her to play all those string parts and she played them all. So there's like a million layers of those, yeah. So when you hear it without the – so you can hear it without the piano and strings, it's still a good song but when you chuck in the piano and strings, it just really lifts it. But that piano part was the key. Like that really lifted the chorus and just changed the song completely. And, yeah, it just – got a bass player in my bass player and a drummer Hugo Cran it just worked it just worked and so did you continue to stay in Sydney to keep writing the record or did you finish the rest of it in Melbourne what happened then after a time it just got yeah just it was inevitable that it was going to end and then it did end and went back to Melbourne picked up the pieces and wrote probably the second half of the record. Okay. I actually yep. probably wrote most of it in a friend's garage, a really good mate of mine, a close friend, and, you know, she was helping me get through that really tough time and wrote the rest of the record and wrote a couple of fuck you songs as well. Just got a bit of a eclectic mix of musicians. Jim White played on the yep. record, got him in, which yep. was amazing. Yeah. And a couple of other drummers. Um, but I was very strict about the drumming. It's very simplistic drumming because Mm -hmm. I'd made it all up and I wanted it to be exactly like that. In your many years of writing songs, was it that this relationship or this moment, this interaction with this person just had you so exposed that perhaps it tapped into a side that you hadn't tapped into before, do you think? Or is it that sometimes as a songwriter, things just happen when you least expect it? Probably the, the latter. A lot of songs have come really easily for me, like a lot of Magic Dirt songs that were the singles or the hits came pretty easily and came from personal experience. So I've always been writing like that. But I guess with Trust Is Rust, it's one of those songs and there's not that many of them, but they always end up being the singles or the yep. your biggest songs where I'll try and put this into words. It's so close to the bone and so taps into the mystery of the universe and life, this sort of intangible thing, but it's so, it's the truth. So, and you just can't get away from that. And there was no editing of any sort. I was just completely um, in the flow 
of life and the universe and whatever I wanted to say, whatever the creative voice wanted to say yep. about it. So in that way, yeah, it was um, it, it was very clear and it, and it just kind of just came out of me. And so because this podcast is all around some of my best work, like so why is it some of your best work? I think because to me it feels like a sophisticated arrangement Mm -hmm. and just a classic song, like it feels like it wrote itself. It feels like something I didn't even write. It feels like I'm covering a song. That's That's the way I look at this song is like, it's so good. Like, wow, I wrote this song. Like, I can't believe I did it. You know, the verse goes into this great pre-chorus and then then the chorus just lifts. It just takes off. And writing a chorus is really hard because you can come – I come up with great verses and bridges and pre-choruses are a little trickier, but a chorus, man, that's hard to do and for to really lift. And this one just lifts. But it's so hooky. The lyrics, everything, it just just works beautifully and just flows. And, yeah, I remember when I first played it to my record label guy and he was just, oh, done, you've got this re- – this is the song, you've got this record, this is awesome. Like, And it's really hard to please a record label person because, you know, they they've just heard so much music and it's really hard to inspire them and get them excited. So I knew I had something. Yep. Yeah. That is so cool. Trust is Rust is the benchmark for me. So the, the thing yeah. I take away from that is, can I write a better song than that? <laughs> that's that's where I'm at. And I don't know if I can. I think I've kind of peaked there. <laughs> I hope to still write really good tunes in the future. And I think with the next record, there's there's a couple of really, there's a couple of tunes that nudge up against Trust is Rust, but I don't think I'll ever, it just is what it is. And I, I just know that Trust is Rust was pretty much the moment. Can you take us through, like, do you keep little diaries and write notes? And, I mean, it's a great one-liner and you really get a sense of someone's fucked with your feelings here. Mm. Yeah, so the one-liner, which one do you mean? <laughs> trust is rust. Oh, I guess, right, well, there's yeah. a lot of good Sorry, one-liners yeah. in there. I've written them down. <laughs> I thought you meant that very first yeah. line. Yeah, yeah. trust is rust. Yeah. yeah, you know, I don't keep any lyrics or anything that part of a recording. As soon as, as, soon as an album comes out, I delete everything. And I rip up all the notes and all the lyrics and all my, you know, scrapbooks and they're all gone. I just have always been like that, just a snake shedding its skin and I'm done with that. I feel weighed down if I have things like that around. So the document is the album. There's nothing else. So there'll never be a scrapbook of all my notes and things like that, you mm-hmm. know, so they're, they're all gone. Yeah, I just, I just want the shiny end product. Is it a superstition or where does that desire come from? How, like why do you do that? Yeah. What does it make you feel? I think when I have things around me that I don't need or want, like it encroaches on my mental space. Like I'm like a minimalist, like at home, like if the house isn't sort of neat or there's stuff, like I can't concentrate. So if I know there's notes, it's like rubbish to me. It feels like rubbish, mm-hmm. and I have to get rid of it. Yep. Yeah. That. That's. That. It's not. A, yeah. It's not. Yeah. It's not a superstition. It's just like no. things lying around that are done with. It's yeah. clutter. I'm very black and white like that. I just need it to be gone. When you pursued your solo career, 
versus, you know, playing with Magic Dirt and writing songs as as that group. Is there a, a line that separates the two? Did you feel that when you moved into solo writing that there was a an Adelita that we hadn't seen? Yeah, definitely. I think Dean and I both sort of simultaneously felt that my whole life I've been writing songs and some songs got left by the wayside because they didn't fit in with the Magic Dirt Rock thing and they just collected and collected and that was fine. But then Dean had the idea of, oh, you know, why don't you try a solo thing? And I was like, oh, really? And and so he was really encouraging and and when he brought it up, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that kind of made sense. Like, you know, sure, let's give it a go. And did I read that you did some solo shows? Was it the retreat that you did yeah. some of your first shows? You yeah, the waters? Yeah, my first official shows were at the retreat, like yeah. a Thursday night. I did a residency there. And I tell you what, I was so nervous. I recall Elvis saying the first time he played live, his knees were shaking and I can never get that saying <laughs> out of my head. And I felt like that. My knees were just knocking together. I was so nervous. I was yeah. like... So many times I wanted to just stop the show and go, I can't do this, guys. <laughs> but Dean was there and it was when Dean was um, quite, you know, he he was quite ill with the with the cancer that he had. But he, but he came along and he was in the crowd and he was really proud. And so I got through those first few shows. Coming back to this notion of some of my best work, how have you evolved as a as a songwriter yourself and even as a as a guitar player? I mean. Is it that you need to be doing it all the time? How do you sort of set yourself, like, where do you go next? Yeah. No, I don't think about it. That's my. That's how I work. I just don't think about it. Okay. Yeah, and I don't feel like I've actually evolved. I feel like I've always been the same. Like, I just love writing songs. Yep. Yeah, I love creating them. It yep. just feels so amazing and that great feeling has never gone like from day one when I was writing songs for Dear Bubbles yep. you know the in very 91 first. or 18 was yeah, that the no, late 80, it was yeah. not 91 no late it could have been pre-91 yeah because yeah, you just had 21 is it 20 years with Magic Jack yeah yeah, oh, 20, yeah 20, 20 year with um 20 years with What Are Rock Stars, so yeah. that was 2000. So it's been almost 30 yes, years with Magic Dirt, yeah. Oh, that's right, because <laughs> I was there at the Bahong Club. I remember being <laughs> yeah. a uni yeah. student. Oh. Yeah, you've, you've known My me for a long time. long time. Yeah. How crazy. I was yeah. thinking of that going, That's we were just kids. Oh, we were. Just babies. And you're right. And it's funny, though, like, and I'm an outsider. I didn't write those songs, but they take you right back to that pure, angry, kind of fun yeah. moment, though. Does yeah. it do that to you as the person that wrote them? Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. no. I, I, Yeah, sometimes sometimes people will just say weird things to me like, oh, geez, you're so angry on stage. And I'm like, and then that makes me get all insecure. Like, yeah. oh, oh, am I? Am I too angry? But then when I'm with my peeps and when, right, I'm when in my in my power, I'm like, hang on a minute, this is freaking great. I wrote these awesome songs. We wrote these awesome That's songs. Right. And it's it's energy, it's angry energy or it's fun energy. Like we didn't yeah. just, I didn't write just angry songs, but no. like this is awesome. I should be really proud. Totally. You know? So like, yeah, I'm so proud and just, yeah, that time was awesome. It and was it, a great time. And when you yeah. reflect now and you think, you know, there's different movements, but that was one hell of a one to be part of. I know. Aren't we so lucky? So good. I feel yeah, blessed. It I just know. set me up for my life. Yeah, same. I know. I'm still. Set us up. I know. This is it. I'm still living off the back of the 90s, <laughs> of mate. It's like, good. It's a good feeling. Yeah, there's kids out there that love the 90s. Yeah. 
like young kids now. Yeah, it's good. It's it great. Takes you right back. I get it's it. Great. I totally. It's do. like there was the sixties, the seventies, eighties, nineties. You know, I know. So lucky. So yep. lucky. So yep. yeah. It's yep. awesome. Do you remember performing this particular song live anywhere along the track or or what it's like to still get up and perform that? Yeah, well, the last time we did it, I did it was at the Melbourne Town Hall as part of Melbourne Music Week. So we had the JP Shiloh on the grand organ and I'd hired um, the letter string quartet and some backing singers. So to have that instrumentation for this song in particular was mind-blowing. Like it was so satisfying to have that orchestral sort of big lush sound which this song really deserves and it's never had that opportunity so that I just it was so gratifying I yeah. really loved that moment but every time I play this song live I always get whoo you know whoo whoo like people know it it's it's the song they want to hear besides Blue Sky is another one that they that's on the same record that people know really well this one like makes people cry like mm. People always like, we cried in the chorus bit. And I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry, but that's just that's just this song. I play it every solo set I do. It's just one of those songs that it's a real anchor point in the set. And yep. It's like, okay, good, I've got this, the hit. Great, yep. I can play this song. But um, I had someone email me too, like another musician friend. She was um, saying how good this song was and she's like, oh, it should be a worldwide hit. And mm. I'm like, it was just so nice to hear that. But so it yeah, has that, it's just a classic pop but yeah. Yeah, real lush. I know. Just dark but not. I know. It's it's like that art movement, chiaroscuro, light and yeah. dark. It's like it's got yeah. both. Yeah. It's nice. I know. I can't believe I wrote it. Like I'm so, <laughs> I really, yeah, I'm just like, what a great song. Like uh, it's so good to me. Like and. I would love to see someone else do it, actually. Yeah, that would be pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm very, very proud of this one. Very, yep. very proud. Beautiful. Adelita's Resin and her song Trust is Rust. It's nominated by her as some of her best work. It was first released back in 2013. Find heaps of info in the show notes. Check out Adelita, where you listen to music. Track down her album, All Day Venus, too. And check out other podcasts from Mushroom. Big thanks to Adelita, Liberation Records, Nearly Media and Scott McKenzie at Premier Artists. Let me know if there's an artist you'd like to hear on the show. I'm your host, Jane Rocker. You can get me on Twitter or Instagram. Instagram.